started reading an article this week. It's just is it on the internet by Judge Andrew Nalapatano, and the, 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 just the opening of the article caught me. This is how the article started. It says, the history of the world is a history of violence. I had planned to write this column about the most critical act of violence in human history and its superhuman aftermath, the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Easter, which celebrates his resurrection a few days, is the centerpiece of all Christian belief. Without the risen Christ, we're doomed. Only with him can we be saved. And then the, then the rest of the article followed. And I read that and I thought, wow, without the risen Christ, we are all doomed. The message of Easter, I mean, that is so powerful. And many Easter's I've, I've thought about uh, a lot of times on Easter's, I've preached a resurrection message uh, explaining or proclaiming the historical truth uh, of, of, and the fact that Jesus Christ lived, that he was crucified, he was buried, and on the third day, he rose again from the tomb. That's the message. But this morning, I've kind of, um, I'm kind of convinced that, that most people here already believe in the history or in the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's, uh, it's not like a college class where a professor is trying to tear down the faith of young, uh, young adults. I read this, said years ago, the most popular course on a college campus was a first-year chemistry class taught by a renowned professor, Dr. Lee. Each year before Thanksgiving, Dr. Lee would lecture against prayer. He would conclude the lecture with a challenge, is there anybody here who still believes in prayer? And he would add, before you answer, let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you, I will turn around, take a glass flask and hold it at arm's length. If you believe that God answers prayer, I want you to stand and pray that when I drop this flask, it won't break. Sounds like a college professor. He says, I want you to know that your prayers and the prayers of your parents and the prayers of your Sunday school preachers and teachers and even the prayers of your own pastors cannot prevent this flask from breaking. If you wish to have them here, we'll put off this until you return after Thanksgiving recess. Now, I, uh, I researched this, and uh, what I found was that Richard Harvey, in his book called 70 Years of Miracles, gives a firsthand account of this. So I, I kind of wanted to authenticate. There's a lot of stories similar to this. The class was a chemistry class at Allegheny College in Meadville, Pennsylvania, and the incident happened in the 1920s. Dr. Uh, Harvey's uh, son, Reverend John Harvey, who pastored in Decoy, Georgia for a while, uh, tells a story that his father told him this story often. And he was in the class. He was a student in the class. No one had ever stood up to the challenge until a Christian freshman learned about it and he sensed that God had given him the conviction to stand up to Dr. Lee. When the skeptical professor threw out the challenge, this brave young man stood up. Well, said the professor, this is most interesting. Now we will be most reverent while this young man prays. And then he turned to the young man and said, now you may pray. The young man lifted his face toward heaven and prayed, God, I know that you can hear me. Please honor the name of your son, Jesus Christ, and honor me, your servant. Don't let this flask break. Amen. Dr. Lee stretched out his arm as far as he could, opened his hand, and let the flask fall. 
Instead of hitting the tile floor, it hit the toe of Dr. Lee's shoe, (laughs) rolled over, and did not break. (laughs) Amen. And according to what I could find, the Professor Lee never did the experiment again. (laughs) Indeed, most people don't need more evidence that Jesus Christ is alive. I I kept reading across this as, as, uh, and by the way, Pastor Bill did such a marvelous, marvelous job at the the Easter sunrise service, just capsuling the truth and the power and the impact and the significance of the resurrection. Uh, As I was reading, it it, it became quite clear that most people don't need more evidence. That's what they were calling for in Jesus' day. In John chapter 2, verse 18 through 22, look with me. uh, Jesus had just got through casting out the the money changers and and purging the temple. And uh, the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us seeing you've done these things? In other words, who gives you the authority? To do this, Jesus answered and said unto him, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Then the Jews said, 46 years this temple was in building and you're going to raise it back and up in in three days? But Jesus spake of the temple of his body. When therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this unto them and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. But the leader said, by whose authority? Show us a sign if you're really who you say you were. Then again in John, in in Matthew chapter 12, look at this with me. In Matthew chapter 12, it says, Then certain of the scribes and other Pharisees answered, said, Master, we would see a sign from you. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and there shall be no sign given to it but the sign of of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the well's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The resurrection. And again in Matthew chapter 16, look. And the Pharisees also with the Sadducees came and tempted, desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said to them, When it's evening, you say it'll be fair weather for the sky's red. And in the morning, it'll be foul weather today for the sky's red. You've heard that saying, red skies at night, sailors delight. Red skies in the morning, sailors take warning. Yeah, see, we, he said, oh, you hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the time. A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and there shall be no sign given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonah. And he left them and departed. Look with me again at Mark chapter 15. And they that passed by, and this was all the, t- all the time now, as Jesus was teaching and preaching, and the people were saying, well, well just show us something that, uh, that, that'll prove to us that what you're saying is true. Just show us something that'll prove to us that you're really who you say you are. And it didn't end with his ministry. It didn't end with his preaching. As he was nailed to the cross, Mark 15 takes place with Jesus hanging on the cross and the people coming by and they that passed by railed on him, wagging their heads and saying, ah, you who destroyed the temple and built it through. See, they were mocking him. Oh, 
You were going to do such big things by building the temple back in three days. Save yourself and come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priest mock and said to themselves with the scribes, he saved others, but he can't even save himself. Let Christ, the king of Israel, descend now from the cross. Look at this. That we may see and believe. The, the mocking, the ridicule. Now, let me just ask you a question. Which do you think would be more difficult? To come off the cross while you're still alive? <laughs> or to be killed, executed, buried in a tomb, and three days later come back to life? But you see, most people that say they need more evidence really aren't seeking for more evidence. They really aren't seeking for more evidence. The evidence is there. Josh McDowell, McDowell wrote it in a book that he started a thesis on his mastoral uh, level of discounting and of disproving the gospel. And he ended up writing a book called Evidence That Demands a Verdict. <laughs> Later, he would write a sequel and he titled it More Evidence That Demands a Verdict. So the evidence is in that Jesus Christ is indeed Lord of all, of who he said he was. He is the Son of God. He is God. Now, this morning, I just want to focus a little bit, not on the evidence that is plain as for all of us to see, not on the evidence which so many use as an excuse, because even when the evidence has been presented, they still don't believe. So I want to just focus, for me, on the difference the resurrection of Jesus Christ makes in my life. And I want to ask you, what difference does the resurrection make in your life? And hopefully, it's going to be similar. Um, and I'll just tell you, J.M. and Claire's here, and, and, and a lot of the thoughts for this message really began to formulate in, in, in my mind and in my heart as I was, as I was thinking of the funeral sermon for Miss Lois Dyer, James' mom, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Tuesday. Um, that's where it began to kind of stir. The message of the, of the early Christians was a message of the resurrection. That's, 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 that's central. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8 says it this way. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to the gospel. The message of the resurrection, every sermon we read or every sermon that we have documented in the, in the book of Acts of the apostles has at its, as its centerpiece the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. This was a difference. It was, a, it, it was looking at that resurrection in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you'll turn there with me this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And Pastor Bill, I was, just, I was getting so excited because he was summing this up. Uh, so if you're in the sunrise service, you're just getting a, you're just getting a um, what, is that, what is that when you re refresher course? What is that? It's not called refresher course. Review. You, uh, you uh, go a course, you don't get credit for it, you remediate it. It's, I don't know, something. There's a word for it. It's early. All right. And, and 1 Corinthians chapter 15, look with me. 
And we're going to read, I'm going to read the first, uh, first 11 verses. And uh, then we're going to skip down and, and, and read some more. Or we're going to read some Acts through 19. Moreover, brethren, this is Paul. Powerful, powerful documentation and presentation of the resurrection. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach, which you've received and where you're standing. All right? By which you're also saved, if you keep in memory what I preached to you, so that your believing won't be in vain. For I delivered to you, this was the gospel, first of all, what I received. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he arose again the third day according to scriptures, and that he was seen first of Peter and then of the twelve, and then he was seen of about 500 brethren of one time, and most of them are alive today, he said. Some of them have died. After that, he was seen of James and then of all the apostles. At last, he was seen of me, Paul says. Remember, Paul saw him on the road to Damascus there as he was going to persecute Christians, the risen Lord. And he said, I was as one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles. I'm not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church, he said. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. So I've labored more abundantly uh, because that grace was with me. He says, therefore, it is me or we preach or so we believe. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead. Now, Paul shares this. And now the verses 12 through 19, look at this. If Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some of you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. If there's no resurrection, then there is no living Savior. All the major religions of the world uh, have as their founder, based upon a founder who lived in the past and whose religion is his legacy. Muhammad died at age 61 on June 8, 632 in Medina. He's still dead. Confucius died. Buddha also died. And they all remain dead. Jesus Christ is alive. He is alive and he lives forevermore. Without the resurrection, there is no hope. He goes on, he says, if Christ be not risen then our preaching is vain and your faith is vain. Let me read this and I want to come back. Yea, and we're found false witnesses of God because we've testified that God be raised, that he raised up Christ, whom he didn't raise if there's no resurrection. For if the dead rise not, then Christ is not raised. And if Christ is not raised, your faith is empty. You're still in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we're of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that sleep. If there is no resurrection, then the following would be true. Christian preaching would be empty in everyone's faith because the object of their faith is not or was not who he said he was, if there's no resurrection. If there's no resurrection, the apostles 
are liars and are spreading lies if there's no resurrection. And as pastor said it this morning, then so is every preacher who proclaims the living Lord if there's no resurrection. If there's no resurrection, then no one's sins are forgiven. I love that analogy. He said we would be like a, 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 a nut with no meat. You say, did you say meat in it? What was that, sir? Uh, and I'm thinking about how, what, how disappointing. You ever cracked a, a walnut and there'd be nothing in it? How, you're disappointed. He said, you know, he said it would be like sugar with no sweetness. You know, it, it, it kept on if, if there's no resurrection, then all of us are still in our sins, living in an illusion, and there's no forgiveness. If there's no resurrection, then all those who have died, your loved ones and my loved ones, my parents, your parents, your siblings, your children who have died, if there's no resurrection, then they are eternally lost and there is no hope beyond this life if there's no resurrection. If there's no resurrection, Paul says, then we are of all people to be pitied. If there's no resurrection, then we are believing in an illusion, at best, a lie, at worst. And there's nothing with meaning, and there's nothing with hope. But there is a resurrection, and the evidence is clear, and the evidence has been presented over and over and over, and it's still there to see. I was reminded of a, of a young uh, student who claimed he was uh, an atheist, and he didn't, didn't believe, he didn't believe there was a God, he didn't believe in Jesus Christ, and a uh, young man talking with him challenged him, said, well, would you do me a favor, would you just read the book of Matthew, just read the book of Matthew and come back and share with me. And he came back, and the surprise the next day, he came back and he said, I've read it. And he said, you've already read it? He said, I read it last night. And he said, well, what do you think? He said, well, I believe, but he said, I believe that, that, that he's who he said he was, but I'm not ready for him to be my Savior. And the man said, how can you say that? He said, you don't understand. And he went in to tell him all about his lifestyle. And he said, that's my life. And he said, I'm not ready for it to change. What an honest person. What an honest person. Because believing in the living Lord confronts us with a decision. Because he is who he said he was, everything, everything that Jesus said, and we have parts of it, not all, but we have parts of it. I think John writing said, well, that's the record that, John, that the Holy Spirit gave John. But John said if everything, if all the miracles he did, if everything he'd done was written down, isn't John that said that, uh, that the that this worlds couldn't contain them, the skies couldn't contain all of them if all of it was written down. But because he lives, everything that he said, everything is completely true. Therefore, I can trust it. Therefore, men and women have trusted it in life and they've trusted it in martyrdom because it's true. 
Go with me to the end of chapter 15. It's a, it's a long chapter. It's just so powerful. And I read, these are the verses that I read Tuesday at Miss Lois's funeral. Begin with verse 51. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither does corruption inherit incorruption. In other words, he said, you can't get to heaven in the bodies we got. Okay? So we have a new body. Now, those of us are getting old and worn out. We, we Barbie and I have had a pretty, the last two days have been awesome. Yesterday we had a, we had a picnic, a family picnic, and, and it, we just enjoyed it to death. Uh, but we go home and th- we see the kids running around playing, and the grandkids, and after the picnic, and we go home and I hit the ibuprofen <laughs> and the couch. Uh, and, I, and I stay there till Barbie wakes me up and I, and I roll off the couch. Can't get up, but I roll off. And then go to the shower, you know, you know I mean, and, and, and so we realize these bodies are wearing out. When you're young, you don't understand that. As you get older, you say, I know, let's get older, those glorified bodies. Paul said, the bodies we're living in now, they, they're, they're, I think I said this at Miss Lois's funeral, God created our bodies as throwaways. Now, I hate throwaways. I, 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 I like the old cars that's metal. You know, I like the old cars. You could plow trees over with them things. They were like driving a tank because they're metals. Nowadays, everything's fiberglass or plastic, you know, throwaways. Used to have a razor and buy razor blades. A razor is made out of metal, you know. You bought razor blades. Now you go to the store and you get a pack of razors with blades in them and they're disposable. Throw them away. You just throw them away. Use them and throw them away. But you think about it. God created these bodies they're used, throw them away, put them in the grave. Do something with them. Don't matter because in God's time, he says he has a new body for us, a glorified body. Don't know what that's going to be like. I wondered about the hair issue. It became more significant to me, Bill, the older I got. Uh, don't know about that. But Paul says, flesh and blood, you know, these bodies are not what's going to inherit heaven. Then he tells them in verse 52, behold, I show you a mystery, he says. We shall not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trump shall sound, the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruption must put on incorruption, this mortal must put on immortality. So when this is put on, the incorruption, the mortal is put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that's written, death is swallowed up. In victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? I can't read this scripture without thinking of the first Easter Sunday morning. I cannot, every time I read this, I think about the account of the women in the, uh, the garden and of the angel sitting on top of the stone that's been rolled away. One of the gospel writers gives us this account. And I, I call it an angel with an attitude. And I love that. And I can see him in heaven. Let me be the one that hops up on the stone, God. Let me be the one that sets up on top of the stone. You know, roll that sucker away and just set up there. I'll cross my legs. I'll make it look cool. I mean, I can just see him doing this. <laughs> I, and I, I think of that. And I think of the words that Jesus and Pastor Sheridan and Craig put them on the screen from John chapter 11, verse 25 this morning, where he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he dies, yet he'll live. And whosoever lives and believeth in me really will never die. And then he 
says, can you believe this? Can you believe this? That's the question. And I love this. Let me finish. He says, the sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory over sin, Romans 5, 6, and 7, and 8. Over the law, Romans 7 and 8, we're talking about Wednesday 9. The victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, what's there? Paul is saying, because of the resurrection, this whole chapter, Paul's been laying out evidence, more evidence, more evidence, and more evidence for the resurrection of the living Lord, the risen Savior. And Paul says, because of all of this, my beloved brethren, I mean, he just gets almost overwhelmed and endured. Because of all this, my brothers and sisters, the Christian brothers, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Now, someone said to me this morning, and they were gracious. Uh, I'm a morning person. Barbara, tell you that. I'm a morning person. So uh, I woke up at 4.30. was going to get up at 5.30. I woke up at 4.30. Buckman's texting me at 4.30. He and Jesus are the only two people in the world who get up that time of morning. <laughs> Buckman's, some of you, Buckman's sending me Spurgeon at 4.30. Spurgeon at 4.30, you gotta be kidding me. Barbie nudges me with her foot and she said, honey, somebody's texting you. And I said, it's gotta be Buckman. I just laid there like this. She nudges me again, the phone, the, the, my little phone's got a second, second signal, I guess, in case you didn't hear it in the first and dummy, you need to answer it now. And, and I, so I reach over and I get the phone, I open one eye and I say, Buckman, I said, I'll talk to him later. I just, back down. All right, I, I'm kind of a morning person. Somebody told me this morning though, I said, man, you always seem so happy. And I thought, and I said, I've always got joy. No, there's enough things. <laughs> there's enough things. I'm not happy all the time. You can ask my, ask my family. I'm, I'm not happy all the time. Sometimes the dogs know that around there too. I'm just not happy all the time. But there's a joy there. And Paul says, because of the resurrection, I was thinking about this, because of the resurrection, I have hope. I have hope, not an not a empty hope, but a sure hope. Because he lives, I know I'm going to live eternally with him with him because of the resurrection I can face the obstacles and and the challenges that come into my life that I don't have an answer for and that I can't fix because I know that a God who's able to create everything that there is and able to send his son and let his son put on flesh and blood and come to earth and live a sinless life and be crucified to pay for my sins, be buried and on the third day risen from the dead and, and spend many days letting the world see him live before he goes back to the Father. That my God in heaven that can do all that is in charge. Somebody said he is, Daryl's first one I ever heard say, he is large and in charge, but how true that is. And because of the resurrection, I don't have to fret, I don't have to worry because I know my God is in charge. Paul says, therefore, because of all this, because of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, my dear brethren, be steadfast, be unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. What's the work of the Lord? That's just not ministry. That's everything we do. I think Andy Dyer said everything we do. He used to, I remember him saying this. We was, Andy was here and we were talking about uh, the, the Family Life Center and the, the, the property development. And Andy would, and I remember him uh, having crews that would pour the curbing. They poured the curbing, knowing that one day there would be, there would be asphalt go to that curbing. 
But they poured the curb in, and, I, and he would start, they would start the work day, the volunteers, everybody would come volunteer, and he would start the work day with prayer. And, every, and I remember him saying, everything we do is, is ministry. And men are saved today because they volunteered to come to minister to, to poor curbing, and, some, and they saw Andy Dyer, and they heard him talk about Jesus. Now, he may have been hunting his keys, he lost, or his cell phone. Lord, he lost his cell phone, and he lost the keys to that little blue truck all the time. But and, Andy understood, and it's so true. Paul understands. Everything we do, when Yolanda's, it's hard for me to see Yolanda without, I got this crick right here. But, but whether she's working the kinks out of someone's neck, or whether Phil is, is working on a car, or Joy's tuning up an engine, or whether you're teaching the kids at school, or whether you're doing that remodel, whatever we do is the work of the Lord. And Paul says, always abounding, for as much as you know that your labor that always abound in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And how could he say all that? Because of the resurrection. Because of the resurrection, there is hope. There is a future. There is a purpose for everything and for you. That's what the resurrection means to me. What does it mean to you today? Live it out. Live it out. It's meant to be lived out in our daily lives. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We praise you. We give you glory and honor for who you are. And Father, for your entry into this world in a lowly stable in Bethlehem with a young virgin mom and the earthly father, a carpenter. The journey to Calvary and to Jerusalem and to the garden, to the tomb was often long and hard. I was filled with miracles and glory, but was also filled with mockery and grumbling. But Lord, you're Son continued, as Pastor Bill said, to faithfully live out that mission that he was sent on. And he completed it perfectly and accomplished it completely. So today, we gather with millions around the world in celebration of Resurrection Sunday. Because that is the most significant period in all of history. Jesus Christ came lived, died, was buried, but lives forevermore. Father, may that too impact our lives every day as we live them for you. In Christ we pray, amen.